Everyone carries a piece of the puzzle. Nobody comes into your life by mere coincidence. Trust your instincts. Do the unexpected. Find the others. Timothy Leary. Hi, and welcome to Just Make the Thing, a podcast for people like me who want to start a thing and keep on making it. I'm your host, Claire Twenty, and today I have a story to tell you. One Saturday afternoon, I popped into a cozy pub for a friend's birthday and unexpectedly ended up having a magic conversation with a girl I just met. Angela Wotherspoon is a wise and wonderful Canadian who has been through some seriously big life stuff. And she's come out the other side full of joy, curiosity and smarts. We ended up sitting at a little table in the pub's courtyard until the last drinks were poured, spilling our guts about everything from drive and ambition to creativity and the hardest stuff we've been through. It reminded me again of that amazing talent life has for throwing you the unexpected if you're open to it. And I was so glad she agreed to pop round to our place the next week for a podcast. The woman even gave me chocolate as we were leaving, so she has to be a good sort. Here is another episode of Just Make the Thing with the delightful Angela Wotherspoon, massage therapist, seller and lover of chocolate, and all-round champion for overcoming adversity, finding what it is that brings you joy and chasing it. So yeah. what, what's your approach to life? That's my first question. Oh, what's my approach to life? Well, yeah, we ha- actually we actually had a really great catch up. That's how I met you, wasn't yeah, it? Like maybe exactly. a month ago. Just at a pub randomly at a friend's birthday drinks. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, and I think we said to each other when it was happening, like there was four of us left and we were like, oh my goodness, it's such an interesting per- group of people that were left, like the four of us, like you wouldn't really put the four of us together Never. Like closing no. the night out and we had like some really deep wonderful conversations so <laughs> that's why Claire's like that's why you're definitely going like what's your approach to life because yeah. I can go deep in like eight seconds yeah <laughs> I love it it's so great it's so good oh so the question is what's my approach to yeah, life yeah yeah god that's a big one but I guess it's um It's really about being authentic and genuine. Um, Mm. But my approach is like, um, well, my personal approach, everything is about growth. You know, like I love learning. I love growing. I love applying the lessons that, you know, life throws at you to to future scenarios and that. So I I feel like I have a really strong zest towards life. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of my approach to life in a nutshell. But I love connecting with people. And so... My approach is actually identifying what fills my cup up and it's, it's a lot about fulfillment in that. So I connect with people like, you know, how we met, Mm. that was so wonderful and unexpected and just, you know, understanding people. And I think everyone has a backstory and I think you can find common ground with 99.5% of people, you know, um, but sometimes there's people that make you work hard for it. And I've always find those ones are the most rewarding, you know, in a business sense or in a personal sense. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that. What do you mean they're the ones that you find the most challenging uh, and end up being the most rewarding? Yeah, I think it will. It's because uh, they might challenge the way that I view life or I look at certain scenarios um, or that they give you donuts. I love that term. I've learned that. Since What's that? What's a, what do you mean by a donut? Oh, like giving you, like giving me donuts. Like you gave me donuts. Like oh, like zero, nothing. Like, like nothing. zero. Oh, I, I thought you meant like literal donuts. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but I should, I'm Australian. I should know that. <laughs> I love that saying so much. So I think those are the most rewarding when they give you nothing, you know, and you have to kind of break down their wall, you know? Yeah. And I think those are the rewarding ones because it can be something so random that opens them up you know to a further sentence in the conversation you know like you know those scenarios yeah yeah. you're trying to talk to someone say like at a party and they just give you one answered replies and you're trying really hard to like connect with them and then while you're trying to like while you're talking to them you know you're playing that inner dialogue in your head of like do they like me oh my god is it because I said something offensive or is it not am I not wearing good enough outfit you know what I mean (laughs) yeah those those, um, stories in your head but yeah, I always love those ones because I always find that it's something so minute or random that they connect with and you know, opens open them up. Because yeah. everyone has something that is goes deep yes. that they love, and often it's really tight. It's a 
it's a really specific thing yes. to them. There's everyone has something that just lights them up. Yep. And it's and I that podcast or well, the reason I started this podcast is because of that. I think that everyone oh, really? does have something that lights them up, and often it's a creative pursuit or it's creative in a way that you wouldn't necessarily think. Yes. Even if it's stamp collecting or it's gardening or it's cooking or it's yes. whatever, but. It's something in them and and I think it's so important to um, explore that in yourself Mm. and also find out about what other people do because it's fascinating. Human beings are just fascinatingly different, aren't they? And we're so complex. And I think, you know, you know when when you're talking about passion and like everyone just lights up when they talk about something passionate you know, that they're passionate about. Yeah. Um, but I think some people, I don't know, I feel like some people don't fully embrace it or they feel like, yeah, I think when you're talking about like, you know, the whole topic of cool, uncool, how it's perceived in that and like, I don't know, let's take stamp collecting, like it's not mainstream. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I no. think, so I think, you know, there are people out there that like are afraid to like, to show their passion because it might not be accepted. And I don't know, maybe it's because it's so personally intertwined with us that it's almost like if someone that you might know an acquaintance at a party and you start sharing like, hey, I'm into stamp collecting and do this, this and this. And they might like go, why? Like it might feel like a personal attack because it's so intricately intertwined in us. I don't know. It's it's quite interesting, right? Like, because I believe everyone's got a passion. It's just a matter if if people suppress it or if they fully live it, you know? Yeah, and let it out and everything. And let it out. Right? Yeah. My next question is now, because we're talking about people who give you donuts and you are obviously yeah. the opposite to that. <laughs> You're giving so many things out all the time that are not donuts, which is so wonderful. And that's why I asked you to do this, I guess, because yeah. I was so fascinated by the story of your life that you mm. told me. So what's your backstory? Where do, where do you well, – well, I know you grew up in Canada. Yes. Um, but do you want to talk how you ended up being in Australia and in the job that you're in now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was born and raised in Canada in Vancouver and then I moved to Whistler, the ski resort, um, when I was, oh, my goodness, 18, I think, and I was there for 12 years. And um, I was a massage therapist, and so, yeah, I did a lot of massage therapy at high-end spas and that, and it was a great lifestyle. And then, such a cliche, (laughs) I met an Aussie man in Whistler, (laughs) like, if there's ever a cliche. (laughs) He would have been hot, though. He would have been like a hot skiing Aussie. Yeah. So yeah, I I met an Aussie and we got married in Whistler and we decided to move to Melbourne and I was really the driving force behind that. I felt Australia had a lot more opportunities to give. Whistler, you know, if you're at the top of your game, there's not much room to move. It's really Mm -hmm. the lifestyle that keeps you there. So career-wise, it's a bit tricky and it's also heavily linked to the tourism industry. So even if you're the local doctor or the local lawyer, you're still dependent on tourism because tourism is what brings the locals there to work, etc. It's a lifestyle that keeps everyone there because it's fabulous. So yeah, I moved. So I moved to Melbourne with my husband back in 2011, October 5th, 2011. It's so funny. I'll never forget that date. And um, yeah, and I knew before I moved to Melbourne that I wanted to move on from massage therapy is, is all that I knew. And I just knew I would just be living the same life but just in a different Mm. city but I didn't know what I wanted to do I was 30 and I moved and um and I didn't go to university I went to massage therapy school but yet that was just like I think that was like a six-month course and that's really frowned upon in Canada because massage therapy is this whole career it's three years minimum to study Mm. so I always hid that from everyone even though I was very good at my job I really hid that because I felt like I wasn't good enough so it's kind of like leading uh living kind of second lives in that sense of like you're not you're not I felt like I wasn't worthy because I didn't go three years to school despite my experience and how good I was at my job so I moved to Melbourne and yeah and I didn't know what I wanted to do and my insecurities were really heightened because I felt like majority of Australians are very well educated majority of them have gone to university and so 
I, so what did I do? I, I lied on my resume. Ah! <laughs> I lied on my resume and it worked. Yeah. And I applied for a, a commercial real estate receptionist job and I got paid peanuts. Like I look back and go, oh my God, like how did I even live off of that? So, but I lied and I said I knew how to do Excel sheets and like, you know, answer phones, transfer calls. Like I've never worked an office job in my life. Massage therapy is not office work, like you're massaging. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so yeah, I did it and I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I know, I couldn't think of anything worse. And while you were talking, I'm going to fix the window. We're I'm in my new sorry. house and we've I'm never recorded it here before and the window that. keeps banging. So. Do you need help? <laughs> we're keeping it real. I know that because I remember... That, that really stuck in my head when we talked about the feeling you had of not going to university mm. and comparatively to people here, um, that insecurity really plays on you. Oh, yeah. Even though, um, and I'll ru- ruin the end of the story, but, you know, you're so successful and you were so successful in your job as a massage therapist as well. Mm-hmm. How do you, do, do you, are there strategies that you have to overcome that insecurity or that, <laughs> or do you just, is that just one of your things that you accept about yourself and? No, move? therapy. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, actually, therapy is great, though. Oh, there's a stigma around it still, though. Really? Oh, God, yeah. I don't know. I feel like people go, oh, you're broken or like, you know. Um, But no, like, yeah, therapy has helped. But it's also like, oh, it's also like, you know, life throws us big, you know, shakeups, you know. Mm. So like, long story short. I got divorced, like, in 2014, I found out my husband that I moved to Melbourne with was cheating on me <gasps> with multiple girls for, th- for the majority of the length that we were together. So that was a big shakeup for me. So, yeah. you know, and I had a previous shakeup, oh, maybe, what was it? I don't know, within, the, within a 10-month period from when I found out about my husband at the time cheating. Um, within that same year, I got fired from a job wow. or like late 2013, I got fired yeah. from a job. So I think that was a wake up call that I started to take seriously, but I needed another larger wake up call. Yeah. Hence, the hence university the to whack you on the face. Right. So, yeah. How did you find out? If you don't mind me asking. Oh no, I don't mind about my husband. Yeah. Oh, like it's, it's such a snapshot of modern day living. is. <laughs> It was like a lovely Saturday afternoon um, and he was on one sofa, I was on the other. I think I was watching telly and he was on the phone and I just looked over and there was a photo of a girl and you know when your spidey senses go yeah, off? Yeah. So, you know, and I looked and I was like, oh, something's not right. And I was observing his body language and he just kind of seemed excited and really like enthralled in whatever he was doing on his phone. So, you know, Miss Private Investigator Ange... <laughs> goes on the laptop and just like starts doing research and like yeah I don't know I trusted him 120 percent so I never gone into his social media accounts or his email but mm. I knew his password and I did it right there like he was probably like you like where you were closer yeah. to me which isn't very far away and I did it and what I discovered over the next two hours was just like devastating so yeah so that's how I found out but you know that that's life though like everyone's got a sad story and there's a lot of really sad fucking stories out there so I I remember that I actively made a decision I wanted this life event to define me in the most positive way possible I didn't want to be that disgruntled woman you know Mm. five ten years later still talking trash about an ex you would have been so angry though oh I was furious oh I was furious but I was also devastated yeah so you know but that's life that's the beauty of life though you know like it wasn't easy and I think this is what we talked about at the pub that night, hey? Yeah. I, and I think it was in the context of, like, career-wise and that. Like, w- when when people are successful in life, it seems like the article or the interview or the program always 
kind of just swoops over like those hard trying dark moments rather than like diving in and understanding is always like this was my childhood it was sad or it was great and you know or I had you know like a disability or something that made me feel like an outsider in my early teenage years and then you know and then it's like straight to success like the the end like their success story yeah yeah and we were talking like why why don't why do they sweep over that like that I've always wanted to know like the hardships of it because that Mm. is what I find inspiring Mm. but I don't know maybe it just doesn't make a great story diving into all that but all of us can relate to that though oh well see that's why I love Oprah for that very reason because she goes into those really 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 hard moments but they're the moments that teach you about yourself they teach Mm. you about life they teach you about hardship and strength and endurance and perseverance and love and you know they're the the real teaching moments and then they make the good things better Oh, totally, totally. Don't you think? Oh, I'm a child of the Oprah years, 4 p.m. I loved it. Are you kidding me? It was like always a big warm hug. Loved Oprah. Yeah. But who's Oprah now? I mean, Oprah's got a network, so she has to do the trash reality shows. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like she does, she still balances She has a podcast, actually. Does she? And it's only just started, and it's just her super soul conversations. I do like that stuff. Me too. And she's turned it into a podcast, but I have not watched or listened to much of her for years and years but I've started listening to this podcast and there's a really great one with Brene Brown I love her oh my god the I loved her so of vulnerability, much. Hey? yes exactly yeah yeah so I want to take you back to that moment so you're at the laptop you've had this major discovery yeah what do you do next <laughs> well, after my PI investigating, yeah, I just said, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. And I said, who's on the phone? There's this girl on the phone. <clears throat> he said, oh, just a, a co-worker. I said, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, nothing. Just seeing, asking how she is, what she's doing. And I thought, and I just said, what? Asking how she is. And then that's when I just said, are you cheating on me? Yeah, and he denied it several times throughout the course of that day but I knew he was lying Mm. but the way he said it was just so convincing like if I didn't actually have the actual evidence I would have believed him so yeah so from there it was like yeah I really found I started to find my power within but it didn't happen overnight at all but it it was probably a good I don't know it was over the last three years that I found this like the warrior within, you know, like mm. being comfortable with, you know, saying no, we're going, actually, I don't feel like going out tonight. I just want to do this instead. Or, you know, all those little things that we have a hard time saying, like communicating how we really feel. Like mm. I just felt more empowered and and comfortable with that. And yeah, so I I really started to find out who I was, like what fills me up? What are my values? You know, and I think that's when you just start discovering all that stuff when that's all stripped away. So I felt like during those three years, like, and the initial finding out in that was very much of um, my whole belief system was destroyed. Everything I thought I knew, like, because mm. he was, uh, like, everyone was surprised and shocked by it. His best friend, his friends were just, like, floored by it. So mm. I know it just did, wasn't just me that was, like, who is this person everyone did and so it's very much uh smoke and mirrors you know and some people can be such masters of that because you know insecurities which we all have right Mm, huge right but it's like i don't know insecurities i don't know is it is it that bad of a thing maybe if we voice our insecurities more it takes that edge away from it a bit i don't know Mm. i don't know i told i think if you stand in your self and can openly say all of your insecurities out Mm. loud it's amazing once you hear them how much less power they have over you and also how much people connect back with you because they go me too oh god me too you know right yeah or I felt like that or I can't believe you feel like that I thought you would never feel like that or vice versa I think the more honest and open we are as people, the heart it's heart super hard yeah. and vulnerable. Like yeah. Renee Brown talks a lot about this. Um, the more vulnerable and open we are, 
Um, and like you're being now, it's so, you know, wonderful to share only in so many ways because other people will resonate with mm. your story. Mm. And I mean, I had, I, I went through a miscarriage a couple of months ago oh. and I shared it on the podcast, which I never thought I would do. And I was terrified, but the amount once I'd done it, A, how healing it was for me, mm. but B, how incredible it was the amount of um, people that wrote in to me saying they yeah. felt the same or they'd been through something similar or friends of mine who kind of said, yeah, us as well. I had no idea. Mm. And you realise you're not not walking this path alone on any it's level. It's so true, isn't it? Mm. Like, And I think with insecurities, like if we talked more openly about it, we would realize how much it actively destroys our potential or us living the life that we actually want it mm-hmm. want. You know, like it's just, it's, it's amazing. It, it's yeah. amazing how much power we give into our insecurities. Definitely. So what happened for you once you, once that the, that happened and that realization um, happened for you, what next, where did your, once you started kind of being open and finding yourself what happened yeah um again well okay so I'll summarize it like this like my parents are about my dad's about 63 my mom's about 57 I'm 36 so they were very very young parents but it's I think it's a generational thing with like where my parents come from is like and with the way they were brought up they would call themselves realists but they they just always aired on the negative side of life, you know, like the what ifs and that. So for example, I remember, and I love my dad, my dad and I have a wonderful relationship, but I remember after massage school, I said to dad one day, dad, I could like, I wanted, you know, study naturopathy. I could be a student for life. And he's like, and how are you going to pay for school? Um, what, mm-hmm. how are you going to get a job? And he just asked these questions and he talked me out of it in eight seconds flat, but he was trying to, that's his way of protecting, protecting you, yeah. but he was airing on the, on the negative of everything. So I always had that. I was always a very negative person in that sense. And I talked myself out of anything like that, no matter how small or big it was. And so I always thought life was out to get me always. So through the whole divorce thing, I started to realize like life is on your side without a doubt life is always on our side it's sometimes just harder to see when life throws you a curveball of like infidelity or divorce or just massive change getting fired I got fired you know or like losing a friend but it's our active choice um to let us define it to like you get to define it negative or positive Mm -hmm. and we're and it's about whether we want to navigate through it because that's what life is, is navigating. It's not about surviving. Surviving is if, look, you got stage four cancer. Mm. But that's also a piece of navigating through it. But things like infidelity and infidelity and divorce and like that's serious. I, I fully understand it. But it's also we have the choice to navigate through that mm. and let it define how we want it to be defined. So it really became that. I took a really positive approach And that's where I started to find the power within, you know, because then I get to apply so many things I've learned along the way to new scenarios. So I don't go back into those old situations because I've learned. Yeah. You know, there's always taught you. Yeah. Yeah. It taught me, but it's not fun and it's not easy and it's not glamorous. Oh my God. I don't think there's an Instagram filter that could make it look fabulous. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's just like, it's messy. And I wanted to throw in the towel so many times, you know, but yeah. So it's, uh, it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. It's not, it's not, it's, it's never ending though. Mm -hmm. I'm dating now. So like those things I get to like, all my insecurities about that because how can I work on that if I wasn't actively dating, right? Like yeah. I was working on the other stuff. Now I'm dating. Oh man, it rears its ugly head in the most unusual ways. And so, you know, insecurities come back up in a big, big way. Yeah. Well, and trust, I guess, would that be such yeah. a difficult thing to navigate in yeah. a new relationship. Yeah, trust, like relationships, friendships, business, like, you know, like I think if you've been betrayed, 
and like if you've been betrayed and like through like infidelity man your your trust issues just aren't situated in the intimate sector it's it's business it's friends it's family you know like Mm -hmm. about you're so scared of being betrayed in in all aspects of life but I had to tell myself like Angela what you're not going to live your life or you're going to minimize the life that you want to live because you're afraid of getting hurt and cheated on or like that's life though and it, it might happen so like you survived the last one so just you know I, I've had to like go full throttle yeah and say like let's see let's see what happens like I know I'm strong enough throw yourself in and throw yourself because that's what life is right yes. you have to you have to pick yourself back up and keep throwing yourself in yes. because the alternative is living a life a life that's small and that doesn't fill you up and that's right you know all those big risks and big things yeah if you yeah that's life that's the messiness and the beautifulness of it well and you're living your life according to fear you know and I was I was I was such a byproduct of living my life through fear because my mom is very much like that and still is you know like Mm. just fear of failure fear of succeeding you know fear of not being liked fear of not being good enough you know and then from that you just compare yourself to everyone you know Mm. and this is the thing about like us being more open about our insecurities or like you know me telling you I'm not good at math but I do head of sales (laughs) you know what I mean yeah right but it's just like but it like it puts everyone on the same level and actually disarms people when you're when you lead with your vulnerability because I think vulnerability is is a positive mm. you like people get disarmed by it in the best way like they soften they open themselves up to you more like I I remember I used to always 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 um compare myself to other people and go I wish I was like them and there was this family growing up in Canada and I was best friends with with the girl and then she had an older sister and like you know her mom was an ex-French Vogue model and her dad was a pilot for Air France and they were everyone was so beautiful her older sister was a model oh my god all this kind of stuff right (laughs) yeah Yeah. lived in a beautiful house and my mom it didn't sit well with my mom either because she just didn't feel good enough comparison and then it's it's your self-worth and every yeah Yeah. exactly but you know what I found out years later and this was when I was like six seven up to like maybe 11 years old oh when I was um I just turned 13 years old and I was very I was manic depressive so that was before they named renamed it bipolar but I I suffered from depression when I was 12 13 14 and I was admitted to a psych ward when I just turned 13 years old because I was suicidal as well. Well, no, but it was a cry for help, right? But no Mm. one could identify it was a cry for help. I couldn't even identify it was a cry for help. I don't know. Maybe suicide was a bit trendy at the moment, like 19, what, what was it? 1994, Kurt Cobain killed himself. I don't know. Yeah, um, it was the 90s. It was the 90s, right? And I remember, and they didn't have a, a children's psychiatric ward or hospital so I was admitted to an adult psych ward <laughs> on the same day that OJ Simpson was doing his uh white bronco when what? is it Flea? yeah so when I walked in it was on the screen like live you know in OJ Simpson oh so it's June 94 or something but what am I getting at okay so long story short I was in there for six eight weeks as a 13 year old everyone else was an adult they oh made an God. exception I could write a book about it the movie girl in uh, girl interrupted interrupted the way she put that's so accurate that portrayal is so accurate but anyways long story short I had to do group therapy sessions with with everyone in the ward but also we had outside patients come in lo and behold me little 13 year old Ange was in a group setting and and my best friend's mom who I was no longer friends with. Perfect family mom. Perfect family, ex-French Vogue model mom was there. And she was addicted to prescription pills. And she talked about how life-destroying it was, how her her marriage wasn't fulfilling, how her older daughter, the model, had an eating disorder, her hair was falling out, that she didn't feel loved. and, And I was just like, and I just wanted to curl up inside going, oh my God, does she notice who I am? Like, 
And I refused yeah. to speak that day because you all had to speak and I didn't want to because I didn't want her to notice. But that was, that was the start of me realizing like it's smoke and mirrors. Like people are really mm. great at that. They're so afraid to show or, or that we're so insecure. We, we just think that they're amazing because they've got the nice house or they were the ex French mm. Vogue model. You know what I mean? Yeah. And really so their life is in shambles. Like, and I think everyone's life is in shambles at some point in time. It's just yes. the way life is, but it's, so true you know like it's the, no, we live in a culture of comparison we which do. is so dangerous it's dangerous and I think it's also um when people are living in that fear space mm. then it's, it doesn't matter how perfect everything looks or if you have all of the things and all of the money and all of the fame or all of the things so often like I, I was watching an interview with Nicole Kidman recently where she said she divorced from Tom Cruise. It was his entire nightmare. Her life was a shambles and she did some of the best work of her career. She ended up winning an Oscar and she sat in this amazing hotel room holding this statue and went, this is, I'm, this is, I'm the, I'm the loneliest I've ever been. I'm the most miserable I've ever been. I'm supposed to be on the top of the world now. Everyone thinks I'm this incredible, perfect person and my life is empty and mm-hmm. I'm, lonely and this isn't what it's really about and I, I I totally think that that if you if you just trying to get everything for you and you're clutching everything so tightly because you're afraid of anyone seeing you or letting go of things then you're you have to be miserable you know my my dad passed away three years ago. And the one thing he always said to me, and I wholeheartedly believe this is that he said, your life is to live outwardly, to share what you have outwardly, to be a person for others. And one thing I will always be grateful for, for both my parents is that, um, they never limited us. They always yeah. wanted us to strive for more and be more and give outwardly. And they're very conservative and Catholic and, you know, there's lots of things that come with growing up a Catholic. There's guilt yes. and shame and yes. all those things yes. as comes along with them. But at the same time, that idea that, yeah, your life is not for you, it's to give outwardly mm. because when you give to others the joy that you you find in that and the peace that you find in that I I just think um yeah it's it's so wonderful and knowing I think that things don't matter at the at the end of the day Mm. I mean obviously it's nice to have them in there I'm like I'm sitting in this house I cannot even believe we bought this house we feel so so lucky but you know if I said this to um James my husband the other day that we are so lucky and we feel so grateful. But if it all went away, what is important? Mm. You know, what is it? Who are we apart from that? Do you know? And we've lived in some of the craziest places and terrible, terrible places. And also, you know, like a month ago I went running, like, Landed on my face and knocked out my front yes, teeth. Yes, Like it's so crazy, and they're still really sore. Like you know, this life is just a blended mix of stuff. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to take you a little bit back now to your story. Enough mm. of me rabbiting on. Oh, um, I love it. So I, Oprah said something uh, in a podcast recently that really struck with me. It was this notion of a divine storm that Mm. sometimes just before the path opens up for where you need to go, shit gets real bad, like super bad, super bad. And it made me think of you and all the things that happened to you. Where do you think, because now I want to kind of know where that pointed you in what direction, like what happened after that in your life that you, after your divine storm? Yeah. Uh, well, so what was it? It was very much around career. Mm. It was very much about career and, um, yeah, and it was just the timing was impeccable. So, yeah, I worked for Panna Chocolate, which is this amazing Melbourne-based handmade chocolate company, and Panna, the owner and CEO, approached me when I was like one month out of finding 
out about my husband at the time cheating and that. And he goes, and I'd love you to come on board to be business development manager. I was just like being a brand ambassador for them while I was working full time at another job because, you know, I like. I liked the brand and I had a friend that that was there in the company and said oh could you do like in-store tastings I was like yeah sure why not and then yeah Panna asked me and and I said well why stop at like uh getting divorced moving house in four <laughs> you know in in four weeks you know all within yeah. a four weeks time frame let's start a new job <laughs> career as well and this all happened in four weeks like wow. within the four weeks and it's pretty amazing like what you can accomplish when when you have to yeah. when you have to like you know stay afloat you know yeah um so yeah so that was just amazing and uh and it's such a wonderful company and Panna himself has been amazing Panna and, and Amanda and a few other key people at the company, they just really were about building me up and letting me fly the nest. Like they, they had all the time in the world for all of my questions and, and, um, you know, building me up really. And so from there, yeah, I, I think also cause I, it was such a beautiful positive in my life when everything else was crumbling at yeah. that time. So I really put a lot of focus into it and and I didn't know, I had no experience in sales or like business development manager, no. So I'd go in and do things that, you know, like looking back, if I was seasoned BDM, I would go, oh my God, you would never do that. But I didn't know. So I was just like, <laughs> yes, you know, and that, that gave me an edge. So this goes back to like my insecurities and people have insecurities about, you know, well, I didn't study that. I didn't go to school for that. I have zero experience. I can't apply for that role. Oh my God, that gives you an edge. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's because you have no idea if you should or shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. It's kind of fabulous, you know? Yeah. So from there, like, yeah, it was just, you know, they created a role for me for national account manager. So I looked after all the large national accounts and then, from there is national sales manager and now it's head of sales for Australia and New Zealand. Zealand. Yes. That is incredible. Yeah. It's in, that is quite a, sh a like a massive climb in a Ooh. short amount of time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But we're a small growing business as well, right? So you do you do have that beautiful luxury of sometimes your promotions get really fast tracked or or opportunities happen very quickly, but um if it wasn't for how, if it wasn't for me getting fired from a previous job, and I'm so tempted to say, side note, it was, uh, you know, um, unfair dismissal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I said that even to yeah, you, like you my did. ego perks up because, I, you know, like, you know, it's like, I have to say it because that's really what it was. Even though I didn't take the company to court, you know, all the lawyers I consulted said it, but, you know, what's wrong with just saying I got fired from a job? you know there's just that it doesn't still sound right but you know if I didn't get fired from my job that wouldn't have got me on the pathway of questioning everything what are my values what do I really want out of life you know and it wouldn't and it and it led me to actually uh, you know being strong enough to say no I want a divorce I'm not going to tolerate infidelity I've given so much into this relationship I don't want to risk it you know what if I turn out I can't dissolve that and, you know, five years, one year later, hold that against him. You know, mm. well, you cheated on me. No, I didn't want that. So I said I want a divorce. And everyone thought I'd move back to Canada, but I didn't. And I think I think also because I was given that opportunity at Panna Chocolate and it was such and it's such a warm, supportive, safe environment. We're, we're all led like vulnerability is a really great thing. And the way we do business with clients is like, show your cards, don't play games, show your cards. Yeah. I got to that. I got to take that and transfer it to my personal life. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. You know? So yeah. And look, I wouldn't say it was luck. I know we talked about this at the pub because you, even when you said about your beautiful new house, I feel so lucky. I don't think it's luck. I don't think it's luck or the mm. success that you've had with with your business ventures. I don't think it's luck. I think it's meant to be and it comes down to timing. So mm. we put the hard work in previously. 
I don't, and it just shows up in different ways yeah, and, if, and if might that, not be to our timeline. So maybe that's why we all say it's lucky. <laughs> oh, it's so lucky. But really, is it? Yeah. I it, don't know. I don't think it is. It's sort of, sometimes I, I was saying this to James the other day. Sometimes I think it's the meeting of, oh, huge affirmation, the meeting of opportunity yes. versus preparation. Yeah. So if you are prepared, 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 and then when the opportunities pop up, that kind they kind of intersect. Yes. And then you can take advantage. I was actually also listening. God, I'm just like reeling off names I was listening to on a podcast. I listen to too many podcasts. But Bernard Fanning from Powdered Finger said the yeah. same thing, um, which is a big Australian band. Um, I know Powder Finger. Oh, good. Well, yes. I don't know if you know Hello. Powder Finger. This is like a mini Australia. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, tour- everyone there would have listened to Powder yeah. Finger. I think they yeah. toured there like 20 times in the 12 years. Same with wow. Xavier Rudd. He was there like once a month. Oh, anyway, man. So- yeah, totally. <laughs> That's true. It's not America. It's Canada. Of course John, he did. John Butler. Oh, my God. Yeah, it would be so up your alley. You <laughs> like Missy Higgins and yes. all those people. Oh, God. Yeah, so Vernon Fanning, because he grew up in Queensland and and he said that, that it's not, that they worked so hard at being so great that when opportunities came, when a band asked them ah. to support them, they had to be great and they nailed it. And so each opportunity led to another opportunity and that mm. preparation. And also he said they made a decision in their band for everyone had to have an equal say. So there was no, every no, just because he was a lead singer didn't mean he had more of a say than anyone else. And because yeah. they made it a completely equal footing and worked as a team in that way, in, and like you were saying with Pan and Chocolate, the environment in which you're working in, mm. if it's supportive and collaborative like that in that open way and everyone's open and honest and real about yeah. where they're at, um, and you put your cards right out there. Oh yeah! It just—I think it's amazing what can happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think, like, going back to what the Powderfinger guy mm. said about preparation and opportunity. One, I think, is having the ability to identify your opportunities. Two, pe- preparation is such a fine balance. I don't know. This is coming from me where I was like, I had a spreadsheet, short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. And I was defined by the the dollars that were in my bank account and what I had materialistically. This was before I got fired from my job because I was starting to like build towards that. And then that got taken away from me and it made me go, what are my values? Having a nice car and having an impressive job title just to impress like people I don't even know at a party. How is that, like, how is that living life to the best, you know? Yeah. But so for me, I had my blinders on and I was so focused to accumulate. I was accumulating that I couldn't identify any opportunities unless it was very specific opportunities that fit into my, into my goals that were on my spreadsheet. So I was, I lived such a restrictive life to the point of not being able to see my opportunities. So for me, I find it's like a fine balance of like preparation for me, I find it's actually just trusting life and trusting yourself, which is so hard to do because it's like, how do you trust yourself? I remember you always hear like, you got to love yourself. And I remember I was in a workshop a couple of years ago and they, they kept saying that. I just put my hand up. I said, but how do you love yourself? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that. like it's just like, you know, this is a huge blanket statement, but like, how do you do that? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. So, and so for me, going back to the whole opportunity and thing, and that's probably, and that is the reason why I don't think it's luck or, or we're lucky with our success. I really do think we are the architects of that. It's just, um, you know, because growing up, my mom was always like, you're such a procrastinator, Ange. And she always mm. said that in such a negative tone that anything that I dawdled around, I'm such a dotty dawdler, that um, I just felt like I wasn't good enough and I wasn't living out to my potential. So with that, I realized, you know, um, I was afraid to go with the flow with life to trust life because I felt that was equivalent to being a procrastinator. So when I actually let go of that, the opportunities that came my way by like pan of chocolate, you know, and not having a clear like spreadsheet outlining what it should be like. Yeah. Because that never, that never fucking works. No, no. It never works. Tell life the best laid plans and then see what happens. It never works. Like how many yeah. friends do we have that were like, 
I was going to, my goal was to be married and have two kids by the time I was 25. And it hasn't turned out, but it might've happened when they were 33, 34. Yeah. But how devastated they were when they turned 25 and didn't have it. Like, so I don't know, like if you force something like that, you'll get it. You might get it, but it won't fill you up the way, the way that maybe if it does happen when you're like 10 years older, I don't know. I might be wrong. No, no, no. I completely understand. Do you know what I think? I've learned so far mm. in my 32 years. Yeah. One thing that really struck me recently is it's not about identifying specific things, but it's about, oh. like what you said, identifying what is important to you. Mm. What do you love? Mm. What are you passionate about? What do you want to give to the world? What are your values? Um, who are you? What do yes. you believe in? And being comfortable with that. Yeah. So- I think people, yeah. I think there's people that can identify that, but I don't think they're comfortable yeah. or confident with that. Yeah. Or, and, or understanding your own limitations yes. and being cool with that too. Yes. Like I, I am forever jealous of people who get up at the same time every day, have a routine, know exactly what they're doing, are always super organized and like have spreadsheets and their brain works that way. And it's, and I'm always in awe because really? Why? I am shambolic. Like I just, my, I just, I know myself and that's why I started this podcast because I always start a thousand things. I never finish anything. And that's, who cares? It's good. <laughs> well, it's I'm not a bad thing. Well, I started to realize one of the, the, the upside of it is that, that I've got loads of ideas and I love starting things. And mm-hmm. often what will happen in my life I've found is that I will start a thing and then someone else will end up running with it because I, I have all these great ideas and well, not always great, but you know, I have ideas. Yes. Um, and I think that's why James and I work. Cause I'm always like this idea, this idea, another idea. How about this one? Why not this one? And James is like, yeah, but I'll just do this one and well, I'll keep doing this one. And then you keep throwing and some stick and some don't, but I realize that's my limitation. So instead of trying to push to change who I am, cause I can't change it. I've tried, I've tried for so many years to push through it and I end up yes. not doing anything because yes. I get so frustrated with myself in not being able to be consistent. Um, instead, I kind of embrace that and go, okay, well, I need to surround myself with people who will help me on that way. So like my friend Chanel, who I do this podcast with, is very diligent and very on the money. So she's always texting me being like, need to record. Have you, have you put it out? Have you done this? Have you done that? And, you know, my husband is the same. And so I'm yeah, it's. I think knowing your limitations yeah. is really helpful. Embracing your limitations because mm, totally. we all do have it. Yeah, but it's not a bad thing. But no. I'm really fascinated. Why? Why? Why are you? Why are you like? Is jealous the right word, or you admire people that are really routine orientated? How do you know that they're happy with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How do you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I think it's because sometimes I think life is easier if oh, you are routined. So if you know, like, for instance, washing. Washing is a bane of my existence. I hate it. Yeah. Some people are really I good at cleaning. it. Yeah, I hate cleaning too. Oh, God. The, 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 <laughs> this year was the first time we could afford to get a cleaner and it was, it was the bloody best thing ever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's – I think – yeah, I think it's that, like, I have friends who are so good at this that they, I think, you know what it also is, being a teacher, because my previous career was teaching, yes. and the teachers that always had perfect classrooms with perfect order, structure, planned everything to the last minute meant that if you're super prepared and organized, your day runs smoother, you've always got nice lunch, you know what you're eating, you've got like a meal plan, and all of those things are in place, so your life is kind mm. of runs a bit s- smoother. So I think that's where it comes but from. Does, okay. Mm. People, okay, let's ask. People that are, you know, very routine orientated, do they allow to build in time for the magic to happen in life? Those unexpected opportunities or... Yeah. That's very true. Right? Right, because that's where right. the fun stuff happens. Yes. When you make it up and it you fucking just... happens. There's like, the magic. You know? Yeah, all the special stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's so true. Right? Yeah. 
Like, I just, I, I don't know. I'm tired of, like, trying to force myself to be someone that I admire from, like, a page in a book or someone that walks by and that has a great outfit, like, and I create a story to them or, like, hey, perfect example, me lying in that interview to get that commercial real estate job as a receptionist because yeah. <laughs> I never worked in an office or I never worked nine to five in an office and I thought it was the bee's knees. Yeah. I fucking hated it. <laughs> it was so uninspiring and I realized how many people don't like it so I don't know it's just kind of like I don't know I just I just you gotta uh, that's one thing I've learned from you today you have it's actually okay to leave that oh, yeah. messiness in your life oh yeah because that's when the opportunities and the magic stuff happens yeah, yeah. because that's what I used to do I uh, and I used to start everything and I would never complete anything because I would try it and I'd love it and I might love it for two months and then I was done with it. But it goes back to my mom saying, you're a procrastinator, you never finish anything. So I thought that was a bad thing. So I would never tell anyone, oh, I have plans to go travel, you know, to to wherever, you know, yeah. to Cambodia or something like that because I felt like everyone would hold me to it because oh. I usually wouldn't follow through with that. Yeah. All the big stuff I would naturally follow through through with but I just I, I don't know I just don't live my life that way anymore because like I did singing lessons and I was oh, like wow. yeah. oh I'm shit at singing <laughs> so shit but you know that was one of the things that like when I was going through my divorce like I felt like everyone could be a decent singer and I was interested in the science behind singing mm. and I did just I had no idea that what my singing teacher was teaching me would apply to life like it was so huge but like I was over it after eight nine months of going once a week and I was okay with that I was like done How, you know I did French lessons you know I went to six lessons and it was for six months and I was like I'm done I <laughs> I'm not fulfilled by it. And I was okay with that. But look, fabulous stories we have to tell. Or like, hey, how empowering. No, I'm bored with it. Done. You know, like, because it's a process, at least for me, to find out what are my interests and hobbies. You know, what fills my cup oh. up. So if I keep telling myself, and you have to follow through with this French course because you paid money and you told everyone you would do it, how, how does that make me find out what I actually enjoy to do? Yeah, does that kind of make sense? Yes, it so totally like, makes sense. So yeah, like I, I fleet around. I'm like, yes, I'll do calligraphy. Ooh, you know, like <laughs> oh, I'll buy the I'll buy the whole calligraphy tool set and might write one letter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that because I have a calligraphy set. I also have this ridiculous printer that I bought years ago to print shapes and special handmade cards, like a 3D printer, because I thought that I would do that all the time in my spare time. I have never taken it out of the box even. It's just sat up in my room. Oh, did you did you pack it in your boxes when you went? Yeah, I do. It's in that cupboard. It's actually in that cupboard right there. But because I, I don't know what to do with it because I don't, I feel bad throwing it out. eBay, anyway. girl, eBay. Yeah, this is true. I do. I need to put it on eBay. That's a hot commodity. Yeah, surely somebody. I think I saw it on a blog and it just looked like a mummy blog and it looked so wonderful and relaxing and cool. I was like, yeah, I'll totally do that. Never. But it gets, that's a really lovely way of thinking about it actually because I've always been really negative about my in my sort of flitting around ability to like try a whole lot of different things and mm-hmm. throw a lot of stuff in the, up in the air and not really land them all. But I think you're right that you have to do that to then find the thing that you actually do love. And one of the things is podcasting. I'm bloody loving this. See? And yeah. I love your story of how that came about, like how divine. Yeah. Like I love it. You know, like, and I think it's a great, it's a great example of like just trusting life and how life directs you in really indirect ways and something beautiful comes out of it that you really love doing. Yeah, right? or, or meeting someone interesting in a pub. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? I Having a great conversation. It's but so we, great. And, and it's time, timing is everything because mm. I swear we have met previously and it must have, were you at Alan's 30th birthday? Yeah, I was. So, so we would have met, but like that's the thing, like we would have met even prior to that, I swear, but for some reason we clicked that night at the pub. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, it's how so beautiful. So beautiful. And I think it's also about timing in your life as well Mm. and where you're at 
too. Yes. Just, yes. I totally, when you're open to it and you're not necessarily routined and you're leaving that space. Yeah. I think as a creative person, a lot of creative people um, listen to this and struggle with that idea of, of following that thing that gives them that magic and that spark. Yeah. But you're right, it's, you can't force it. Uh-uh. You have to just keep experimenting and being curious yes. until you land on the thing that you want to do. And maybe you don't want to do it for always, yeah. But or maybe you do. Yeah. But you have to be curious and explore and and be yeah. open to mm. be open to other things because it's. I think it's through that journey is when you start to discover things that you really love or you're really passionate about. And it's and I at least in my life, I found it's never what I always thought it would have been. Wow. You know, like there's yeah. so much like emphasis on your work has to be what you love to do. Far out. That's huge. Really? Yeah. And then I don't believe half the people that say, I love what I do. I, I remember going like, where is it? And I read articles and one article was like, you know, what you love to do for work, it, it's usually right under your nose. Like what will make mm-hmm. you happy? What will be your passion? I remember going like, what? What is that? But it's like, you know, it's connecting with people. That's what I love. That's what fills me up. And at work, that's what I do. I work mm-hmm. with clients. I work with my colleagues. You know, it is about that that human connection that mm-hmm. works for me and that inspires me and gets my creative juices flowing. But I don't know. I think I think society just emphasizes, has emphasis on kind of the wrong things. Yeah. Or, and, not, and pigeonholes you, I think, yes. sometimes. Like, you can love... That's why I think what we went back to before about nailing what it is that you love, not mm. what you want to do, but what the sentence that you love. Like I, for me, it was I, when I realized why I was a teacher was that human connection yes. and helping people who are, bring out their creativity and and discover that in themselves. And I find people endlessly fascinating and everyone's story so fascinating. Yes. That's what I loved about teaching. And when I came to that moment it was cut probably a year or so ago after I'd finished maybe no during when I did a school musical with the kids and I saw it and it was just just came to me and then I realized well everything I do now doesn't have to just be for work in your relationships in yes. your friends just you know you can have work but then life is not just work uh-uh. life is all the other things that's right you can do your alongside everything else you do your creativity doesn't have to be or your passion doesn't have to be your job mm. and i think for too long they're one and the same they're supposed to yes. be yes no it can be you know doing all your other stuff around as, and maybe part of your job is as well but it's not all of your job mm-hmm. and shouldn't be all of your life you that's know? right and isn't it amazing how like what you loved about teaching was that human connection, but then how it's evolved into podcasting, yeah. but it's that running theme. So I think it's identifying, I don't know, I think it's identifying what that running theme is that mm. gets your juices flowing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yes. Because like, yes. look, human connection, I love I love interacting with people. I love finding common ground. I love networking. I said this mm. to you earlier. Like, I always thought networking was a dirty thing. It so was did a I. dirty word, yes. right? Like, yeah. you know, it's always so t- strategic and you've yeah. got like a, a motive. Like, what's your angle? But for me, and I learned this from Panna Chaco and Panna himself, it's about just connecting with people and trying to find common ground and not being aggressive and just having an open conversation. And so with that, I think, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh my god! The older I get, the more I lose. Some of no, my train but that's of so true. That connecting with people is oh, yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Mm. So, like, I've identified like I love people. I love that connection, communicating. But I do sales for a chocolate company. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how's that? Like, I would have never thought of that. I would have, yeah. I, I don't know. I might have thought it was about like a party planner. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. I, because yeah. I have such a specific thing in my yeah. head. Like, I wanted to be a music exec, right? Yeah. But then, but then through that journey, I started to identify, well, no, actually, I really love people in that. And then, you know, it might not be the industry you ever thought you would be in, but it's got that running theme that gets you flowing. Do you yes. know what I mean? People, yes. Right? When you feel that kind of magic happen, when you're yeah. in the zone and you things, yeah. And I think you have to be open to the, like you were saying, the opportunities that might not seem like the ones 
that you would take necessarily. Exactly. So don't yeah. have a fucking spreadsheet yeah. <laughs> of what your life should be for the next 20 years because you're not allowing all this other great stuff coming in that yeah. will probably get you to your goal. Exactly. In, in yeah. maybe not a shorter time, but at least a more fulfilling, enjoyable way. Mm. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, we've hit an hour. Oh, of course we did. I'm <laughs> such a tiny. Oh, so like we could keep talking forever. So we'll have to just have you back on yeah. the show because that was so insightful and wonderful. So thank you, Lee, so much. Thank you. Thank it you, was Angela. amazing. Oh, it was really, really great and so much lesson learning. So um, see you. you next time. Yes, thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make The Thing with me, your host, Claire Tonti, and the lovely Angela Wotherspoon. If you love chocolate, I'd highly recommend trying some of her pan of chocolate. It's delicious, which you can find online. You can find more about the show and me on Instagram at Claire Tonti, uh, on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies, and you can email the show at justmakethethingpod at gmail.com Or you can go to our website to find more of our amazing shows at www.planetbroadcasting.com. Okay, that's it from me this week. Good luck out there. Email us if you have anything you'd like to share. And thanks so much again for listening. See you next time.